This episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, even from not only a social distance today, but from there's not even a video feed of her today. Uh, Laura Zatz, say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. I would like for everybody to know that the reason that we are not doing a video feed is not because I didn't put like regular clothes on today. I did. It's no one because you. yeah no it's it's because I couldn't find the iPad so we're using a different computer and it's just not set up facing me that's why <laughs> <laughs> everything is good folks we're doing great. really well here <laughs> um, but anyway today is today is four twenty children woo um, and we're gonna be talking about I guess it the goal today was to be a little bit more positive and less coronavirus focus than we had been in weeks past so um today we're going to try to be a little bit more focused and uplifting in our discussion um and before we get to any of that though how about the basic rundown absolutely so we're only two-thirds of the way through with april meaning that with all of um all of it's it's our intention to get you two special episodes at the end of this week um the third following next week right before the end of the month so if you're a new-ish listener or you haven't quite bitten the bullet yet for a query um or first page show access or our special flex episodes head on over to patreon and sign up um it's also worth mentioning that if you are a writer who thinks that hey that might be really really helpful but i um for various reasons, cannot afford to pay the monthly fee, just send us a email at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. We have a no questions asked policy, and that is forever. Um, and we'll grant you access to those episodes. And um, let's see, what else? Oh, and if you do want critique stuff, if you want us to critique stuff, but you have some money to give to a good cause, um, we still have a few slots open for some um, query critiques that we're doing at all the money. It's $25 for a query critique. All of that money will be going to the Coffee House Writers Project. Coffee House is a super, super great nonprofit located in the Twin Cities, technically in Minneapolis, but I'll forgive them. Um, and they've... Excuse me. <laughs> You're not here. I can say it. Um, That's true. This is now an official across the river podcast. It's yeah, it it feels weird. Um, but anyway, this writer's project is aimed at commissioning or the, the goal is to commission writers to um, create art and then get money into their hands right now. Um, so that's super cool. It's kind of based off of depression era, um, legislation and, and other programs like that. And it's super neat and we just want to support them and we want to give you some critiqued queries. So again, send those to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Eric, is there anything that I missed? Um, that seems to be basically where we're at it's these days in these <laughs> strange times. Yeah. Oh, and if you have queries or first pages or if you have suggestions or requests for our episodes, again, printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. So, 
I think that I want to tee you up for this one, Laura, because this is a topic that you got going on before I did today. Yep. I'm and very good at T-ball. I'm real ready. <laughs> it's one that I think, you know, as I think about it more, is the right thing today. Because, like, we sat down and we wanted to discuss, one, something that wasn't just the sky is falling, you know. And I think you're seeing a lot of that right now, specifically, I mean, obviously in the wider world. But within publishing, too, everybody seems to be very doom and gloom. And there's good reasons for that. And we've actually even talked about many of those reasons. But that is not what we're doing today. And what I think I want to do today is look at the fact that, I guess, so from a, this is going to be from a writer perspective right now, right? And I'm looking at a landscape. If I'm trying to like make my way into publishing, if I'm trying to query or I'm trying to get a publisher or whatever it is, I'm looking at a landscape that even more so than usual is shifting around on me, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've got, no one really knows <laughs> what's going on right now. Like, you know, I've I seen questions all the time. We get people asking us questions all the time about, well, hey, what does all this mean for submissions? What does it mean for what people are looking for? Is this, you know, virus, you know, affecting how people are acquiring? Is it changing people's tastes? All these different things. And Really, we could respond to each of those things in turn, but a better thing to do is what you've decided we should do, which is that we should look at an underlying piece of writer self-talk that I think is, like, I think it's mostly absurd always, but it's all the more absurd now, and I think it's easier to see why it might be absurd now. Um, given that the world is more obvious or the, I, not, I shouldn't say the world, the publishing marketplace is even more in flux than usual. Um, and that is the question of, is my work good enough? Mm -hmm. And Laura, I guess like you kind of took on that question and you had kind of a hopeful take on it in general. And then, so why don't we start there? Like when you hear writers thinking about that question or when you're talking about that question with your clients, where do you start? Ooh, so, so I think where you really need to start in that question um, is defining what good enough means, mm -hmm. right? So from, you know, there are all these jokes online about, you know, what it means to be a writer and like 87% of being a writer is hating what you're working on and yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very self-loathing job, yes. It, yes, it is. And, and you know, like, I'm not going to get into whether or not that's productive in any way, shape, or form. It's just kind of the fact, right? Um, but there, there are all these anxieties that, as agents, we kind of are presented by writers. And I'm always sort of taken aback. Like, the one that... Um, shocks me the most and Eric let me know if this shocks you as well is mm -hmm. like the the anxiety that somebody is going to steal somebody's plot idea yeah um, yeah <laughs> and there's you know to the point where like people are sending full sending us um partials with like passwords like locked on there and like copyright <laughs> like stuff marked all over it and yeah, yeah. and like you know, like, yes, it's copyrighted. Like, yes, we get that. Um, but but what's so silly 
about I, silly is kind of the wrong word, but kind of maybe the misplaced anxiety. Like yeah. what what that's doing is is it's really like your work is important. Your work is valuable. Your work maybe may even be good. Um, and of course, you don't want somebody to take that. But the the idea of somebody taking the idea like here, here is my bio. If you think that we could chat about my book, um, write to me and then I'll tell you my idea. Like that sort of like keeping your ideas to yourself isn't really a thing. Um, and it kind of and I think the core of that is like is my work good enough? And there's this idea, I call it like the fallacy of the original thought or the original idea um, where like, quite honestly, I don't really care if your idea is like the first of its kind. I care that you've done it well, Um, which, which is like, I, I hope that those of you who are listening to this are are feeling like a little bit of pressure released like I've you know I've been spending the last week or two speaking with one of my authors about other books that have like other book deals that have been announced with a similar with a similar setup like a, a very like common kind of trope driven setup to a book and kind of panicking about how well this is no longer sellable and it's like well actually it's not like what this is doing, like having somebody with the same general premise, but executing in a different way. What that does is it like shows me that there's a market for your book. And it actually like if somebody reads, you know, another book that has a similar premise and they really, really love it, they might read yours because it might be compared favorably to that. So like, well, think so of, yeah, I think like, like let's really zero in on here. Like what is hopeful mm-hmm. about you about what you just said? Because there's a way to hear it where it's like everything is in terms of the execution, which is its own form of pressure, and right. I guess that's right. always true. But but I think it, what you're saying is that, and at least I know in terms of talking to both the writers I work with and writers who we interact with through this show, and just anyone else, you know, writer friends who I discuss things with. Everyone is constantly trying to read tea leaves on market stuff, right. right? Like they're they're looking at, you know, okay, what's in right now? What's being done right now? Do I need to hurry with this concept? You know, all these different things. And Am I missing the trend? What's trending yeah, exactly. right like, now? Right, exactly. Like these conversations that circle around like is it <laughs> Like, is my thing, you know, the exact thing that the marketplace is looking for right now? And I guess, like, where I kind of want to get with this conversation, and especially in light of a publishing industry right now that feels totally in flux, is that it just seems like you can set that concern down a little bit. Yeah. Because we don't really know what things are going to look like. And also, even if we did, things circle back around. And as you're pointing out, like, you don't have to have you know, and not even that you don't have to have, it's that there aren't any <laughs> like totally original ideas yeah. left to really dig into. And it's fine to write things. I mean, I guess like this is a long way of saying, as I hear you talk, like where I want to get, it's like, write what you want, you know? Yeah. And all the more so because we're looking at a world that we don't know what's going to be in. We don't know, like people ask us questions and the answer is like, we- <laughs> There aren't answers yet. Like we, and so it should free you a little bit to quit 
like of all the many pressures that writers put on themselves to like produce um obviously good work but also timely work or also you know what on trend work it's like we don't know what's timely or what's on trend right now like or ever honestly like if all all agents knew like what was super trendy and what was going to like make them a million dollars like this would be a very different job (laughs) um i guess like so from like from a writer perspective right now i'm looking at all this i'm seeing mostly chaos (laughs) and i guess where i want to get with that is let that be a reason to not have to think so much about things other than what it is you're doing you know what i mean like Like, you don't have to you don't have to reinvent the wheel like you don't have to like invent a new genre you don't have to um come up with something that is unlike anything that anybody has ever done it's just like if writing what you want is feeling trendy or it's feeling um kind of comfortable in that you know like it's it's familiar then okay like that's fine and there's a chance that there is a lot of room in the market for it I mean, maybe the way to phrase it is like, now is the time, like if you're, now is the time to write what you want to write, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's always probably that time in terms of putting your energy toward the things where it'll be most productive, which is where you're, um, which is where you're you're most excited about. Yeah, exactly. Like, and so, well, let's talk for a second. Cause one, one point you made earlier that I thought was really interesting is like, there is sort of a divide in this thinking between someone who is trying to break in, you know, a writer who mm-hmm. is maybe unagented and querying versus a writer that you're talking to as a client, right? Like, yeah. In, and I think that there is, you know, there's a shift that happens when you get through that first gate and you can start to kind of think about your work a little bit differently, right? Yeah. I feel like if we go back to that, um, that, anxiety that that like core writer anxiety of am I good enough um like that's always going to be something that you that you think about you know is this book good enough is that this idea worth my time is all of this good enough from an artistic level or from a um, career level but yeah um when (laughs) so this is something like for for just happenstance um it feels like every author at Headwater has gone out on submission, <laughs> like in the past month. Um, yeah, we've, we'll be we've going been pitching out on a submission. Lot. Yeah. yeah, we've been pitching a ton. Um, and one thing that I found myself saying is, like, unlike querying, where you don't have an insider industry professional, um, like, telling you whether or not this idea or or the the construction of your book or or even just like the level of writing is is as good as it can be or should be or or needs to be for the market um once once you have an agent and you go out on submission i feel like almost the quality of the book is like at the very bottom of the list of things that you as a writer need to worry about um, <laughs> you know, and that's that is that's actually a point worth lingering on for a second that yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize. Like when I am talking to, um, like when I'm talking to editors about projects, and this is true in fiction and nonfiction, I think. But I think for the purposes of this conversation, it's worth zeroing in on fiction. Like, 
even in rejections, I am very, very rarely discussing the quality of someone's work. Oh, right. Absolutely we're talking not. about list fit. We're talking about market, um, whether something is, I guess maybe you hear about trend, but, or like mostly just like connection with an editor. If it was something to their taste, if it had, if it was the right sort of thing, like, but it's very rarely like, Oh, I don't think this book is good enough. And like, so one thing that I always try to tell any writer, you know, that I'm pitching is like, you know, these things shift and tastes shift and trends shift. And like, if we come up with this book and it's not the one people want right this second, we're not throwing it out. We're doing something, you know, we're setting it down for a second. We'll come back to it. Like we'll find something else. Like we're going to treat this less as a personal referendum on your goodness as an artist and more as a means of just sifting through a marketplace and trying to find a fit, right? Like it's a, it's a different question. And I think like, to me, and I think the origin of this conversation is, it's, it's actually like a much more like value neutral question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like not, you're not, it's you not, is like this beat a good yourself book? over the head with this, you know? Yeah. It's not, is this a good book? It is, is this a good book for this individual editor at this individual imprint? And so like, I'm sure some people are going to listen and be like, well, if quality isn't the main factor here, then that's why shitty books get published. But like, the thing is, is like, Nobody publishes a book like believing that it's shitty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like people publish the book because they know that some people are going to like it. And yeah. maybe they like it, maybe I I hope that they like it, you know, but like that's that's the thing, right? Like <laughs> it's a very expensive endeavor. And so like that's kind of where writer like artistry and personal taste like obscures the point. And the point right. is that um a no or like when a book doesn't sell when it's out like on submission with an agent it is like 99 out of 100 reasons that it has nothing to do with your book it's everything to do with everything else and and so like the difference between a book that you're querying that doesn't get any bites and a book that is out on submission with publishers that doesn't get any bites is it's like, Mm -hmm. it's distinctly possible that um, like the book that you are like finally ready to go out and query with is just like not the book yet. Like maybe it's not quite strong enough. Maybe you haven't figured out how to pitch yet. Like there, there are some like, there are some maybe craft things that can get in your way when it comes to, like agenting and there are always exceptions but like most of that it's it really is like those things matter less because again like we know editors we can just call them up and be like yo I've got this thing that you're really gonna like and they're gonna say yes Laura my you know my work friend absolutely I love your taste send me what you recommend and like that's kind of how that goes so you don't have to like it's not like you're appealing to a ton and ton of strangers. Um, another way I put it is like if we get a no on a submission book, it's kind of like a me problem and not like a you problem. Um, yeah, if I mean, there it's, is, it's... yeah, if there is editorial feedback, then it becomes an us like discussion. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the time it has to do with fit and it has to do with market and you can just shelve a book. Like if if it doesn't sell, you can just shelve it. I shelved a book for five years that sold that I sold at the end of last year, and I just yeah. was like sitting on it. 
and then it sold. And that was great. I just think so frequently, like the way I talk about fiction to myself as a writer is so different than how I talk to myself about fiction as an agent. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, as a writer, I feel like I'm incredibly moralistic and hard on myself, right? Like every single success or bit of positive feedback I've ever gotten is a fluke and someone <laughs> made a mistake. And every time that someone, you know, turns me down or I get a rejection or a piece of criticism or something, that is a perfect encapsulation I should internalize forever. And it should be the thing that gets me to finally quit writing forever. You know what I mean? And then like, it's, it's incredibly like self indicty, you know? (laughs) And what I would tell myself were I like my own agent, you know, like I would say like, most of the stuff has nothing to do with that as you're pointing out, like, and as a means of like freeing yourself artistically and trying to like make sense of a landscape right now in publishing that honestly feels largely incoherent with regard to who's looking for what, what editor rationale is even how publishing houses are operating in this new landscape. Like just to like go back to our central point, like good enough is not really the question. You know what I mean? Like, the question is, like, is it the right fit at the right time? And so often that's not something you can control. And so, like, just go back to writing, like, just do your stuff, you know, just go back to writing what it is you want to write. Trust that what you produce is going to be something, if not now, is going to be something that people will want later, you know what I mean? Or, like, I guess I just, if ever there was a time to be kinder kinder to yourself as a writer, and, and where the, the reasoning for that and like the external, you know, publishing, marketing, business side of, of being kind to yourself as a writer, now it's more bare and open and there to be seen than ever before, right? Because every, like lots, there's just the merit question is so far from what is on anybody's minds. Yeah. I think and, I think what yeah. we're what we're asking people is like this is the perfect time to develop a partition in your brain. Yes. Between yes. um what the business is doing and like is doing to your career and your works and how it's responding to them and like how you as an artist respond to your works and like other artists that you trust are helping you develop your works. Like those, we always talk about how those are like really, really separate things. And we kind of like wish that business would pay more attention to art and right. you know, like art would treat its writers like they matter, like they're a business. Um, but, <laughs> but like in terms of creation and like stamina and and like not burning out it it really really is necessary to like write whatever you want and like one of the things that I love with my authors is a lot of them will sometimes be like okay I'm ready to like start writing this new book here are my ideas can you give me a little Mm -hmm. bit of guidance on like what you as like an agent and as a person who does pay probably a little bit more attention to the business than the art um just because that's kind of like where my days are spent Mm -hmm. like which one are you the most excited about and my feedback will help them like figure out where to focus but it's not like I'm calling people up and be like vampires are back 
I mean, like sometimes <laughs> I am because I'm really excited about vampires, but like that's not, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh my God, there is like everybody rediscovered um, Great British Baking Show. Like you need to write a, a cooking competition book. Like that's not how that works. Because, it's so reactive. Yeah. yeah because so it, it becomes more of, you know, in the conversations I'm having with people, they're 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 showing me that they're lighting up more for these types of books or these types of interactions or these types of themes. And if I get a choice, I will guide the author towards, you know, polishing that thing that they've already been doing that contains those things. But if that author doesn't have any of those things in their list, then we sometimes sub it anyway and it works out great sometimes we wait like there's there are a lot of different strategies here and notice none of it had to do with quality none of it right absolutely none right and and yeah 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 oh go for it (laughs) no i mean i was just gonna say like you know there is like what we're saying like one undercurrent i don't want people to take from this it's like obviously (laughs) obviously quality of work matters you know what I mean? Like, it's not as though people are like, I wouldn't say yes to a concept I love if the book isn't good. You know what I mean? But I'm just talking about like, and I think what we're both kind of getting at here is like, as you're drafting and as you're like, don't self-defeat based on whatever it is you're thinking about the publishing industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let yourself write the thing. Yeah. Let Free yourself in a way that can probably help be productive and conducive toward producing your best work and trust that it's some way or another at some point the industry will be in a place to reward that you know what i mean like it's not like i guess i just i talk to so many writers right now who are like of two brains you know they're trying to be savvy right Mm -hmm. and this is a good instinct but they're like you know they're writing their books and they're also trying to keep an eye on trends and things and they're doing all this like sifting through you know deals or whatever it is you know trying to kind of follow things and i understand the impulse obviously i mean my it's the core of my job to do something like that but like it's i just think that you don't have to be you don't have to add that specific piece of pressure to your work right now specifically i think another way to put this um that might speak to some people is to is to talk about what competition means in writing yeah um and i think the the impulse is to believe that another writer who is getting a slot or being published in your same genre in your same category or with like a similar set of tropes or circumstances or topic or world or whatever Mm -hmm. um i think the impulse is to say well if they're being successful that means that there's no room for me or that means that right. I won't because somebody right. will already have this. Um, and that's, that's not how books work, actually. It's actually the opposite of how books work. Okay, so like, explain explain that a little bit. Well, I just think like, I, you know, you kind, of <clears throat> you kind of led the discussion with this idea of people being really worried about, peop- you know, other writers having their ideas or taking their concepts or whatever it is. And if I saw that, like, for instance, if I was repping an author and we had a book that was specifically about a certain thing or from a certain perspective, and all of a sudden I opened Publishers Marketplace and bam, there's a deal from some high-profile person 
you know, who's done basically the same concept. It's sold for a bunch of money, you know, and that's it. Like that, this person is going to have the highest profile. Like to me, I read that as good news because it creates a track, right? Like it creates a precedent. And like, if there's one thing that publishing loves, and this is a concept that I think bleeds into so many other things we talk about <laughs> in acquisitions, like from what kinds of books get published to which kinds of authors get published, all that kind of stuff. Like, if someone is doing you, – you want other people to be doing what you're doing because it's creating discussion points. It's creating like signposts for editors to look at and say, oh, yeah, so something like this could work. Like there's very rarely – and this is actually I, – I think it shouldn't, it shouldn't be for writers, but this can be a point of frustration for agents I know because – you know, we'll have something that feels kind of new or different and we'll hear from editors who will say, oh, we're, we're not really sure what to do with this. We're not really sure how to make this fit. And it's be, and we get that kind of feedback specifically because no one else has done something like it yet. You know what I mean? Like, I think that you do want, like, it's totally, like, assuming, uh, you know, as you put it, I think that phrase was really good, like the fallacy of the original idea. Like, Assuming that you actually don't have something that is wholly original, and I don't actually know how you could or why you would even want that. Like, it feels like everything is influenced from somewhere, right? right? Or is pulling from some other aspect of something. And, like, you want to be able to show those tracks. You want to be able to show those influences and trace where your audience actually is. And so, like, take heart in people doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? And don't take it as a sign that you have to rush or that you have to um, try to beat somebody out. Like this space isn't finite. You know what I mean? The other thing I think like people don't necessarily realize is like stuff gets acquired for different seasons at once. Mm -hmm. Like you, like if you're an editor and you've got, and I guess I, this, I'm, this isn't necessarily true everywhere, but I know like people acquire things for future seasons beyond the one they're looking at all the time. So like, you know, there's you and most editors really like having like a backlog of books that they can or a backlog is the wrong way to put it. But like, it's nice to have things for future seasons already early on so that when you get there, you aren't totally bare and need to scramble. You know what I mean? Like it's I guess like this is a long way of saying that you this neurosis about trying to be first on something or trying to be original on something. I really don't think that it's. I think you should liberate yourself from those concerns, you know? Yeah, like competition, just to just to kind of put a cap on, on what you were saying, Eric. Like competition in in publishing looks like um like instead of somebody being published and um, you know, like let's say, okay, we I mentioned vampires, they're finally coming back. Like if somebody puts out a vampire book. Like if Tor puts out a vampire book, the people at like Saga aren't going to go, shoot, Tor did a vampire book. What they'll do is they'll go, oh, shit, like vampires are back. And somebody else said that, like, we're going to do some vampires, too. And they're going to acquire a different book. And I'm sure there's going to be some, you know, kind of some comparisons and, and some edging out. But like a reader who's been waiting since the end of Twilight to get good vampire books with actually scary yeah. vampires is going to look at these two vampire books and say, oh, I'm so excited. I have two books to read. 
Like right. that's how that works. There's like no limit on that. I think the the only um, the only addendum to that is to mention that um, like individual imprints will, if they already have a vampire book, they will say, well, you know, like we already have this vampire book. This one's too similar. We can't take it. Which which is a bummer. Um, but it's also like it's still a sign that you're kind of on the on the right track. Um, right. The only thing to mention is that like publishers don't do that when you're talking about um, representation. <laughs> there, yeah, there's no, no the limit thing, right? on the on the amount of like right. diverse books you can have in your in your season. Um, yeah. But like for things like tropes and or or kind of just general plot lines or settings or genres, like it's not a thing. Right. No, I mean I think I think that's true, and it's so like. I want to move us now to a two Luna May concern. And I want to do it because I, I like that we have this one here today because it also taps into um, the theme of the episode, which is unnecessary worrying um, and concerns and trying to read into trends and things that um, are probably just clouding your ability to do the work you're trying to do, especially in a moment when mm-hmm. everything is in chaos. Mm-hmm. So. Um, are you ready? I'll read it to you. Oh, you're reading it to me. I know you usually read it. I want to, I wanted to read this one. Okay. I'm so ready. Okay. To loon it may concern. I had an agent in 2015 through 2017. During that time we shopped one book unsuccessfully, but I wrote a few others and she provided editorial feedback on those books. She left the business in 2017, leaving me with a pipeline full of revised edited work. I have continued revising and querying with the help of my writing group and online critique partners and beta readers, but the fact remains that I have had several books ready or very nearly ready to be submitted. Here's my problem. I queried one book in summer 2018, then another in summer 2019. Now I'm querying again without much success. I am deep in revisions on another book and I'm hoping another couple rounds of revisions and feedback will make it ready to query sometime in the fall of 2020 or winter of 2021 but that will make four books queried in less than three years. Um, then we have an aside about this person's credentials and thoroughness in their writing, all of which are very good. This is someone who is taking all this quite seriously. And then so we get to the next part of the email. Is, all, is this all a red flag? Do I have to slow down to make it look like I'm taking my time, even though these books have been through revisions for literal years? And then in parentheses, the one I'm revising now has been in the works since July of 2015. Do I address this all in the query somehow? Okay. Um, So I have many thoughts and feelings about this. Um, The first is to point out one of my favorite things to do, which is where the, like the querying rule has a, a stop, (laughs) right? Like where the rule ends. Um, And so I think this, this author is, worried for a couple of reasons one um appearing like too fast and not careful um but more importantly that i think querying this many projects and kind of without success ends up edging up to the rule which is like only query one thing at a time um sure and i think the so the reason for that is because like if done well, like querying will get you an agent, sure. But like what it also does 
is it is a process by which you are able to um, kind of course correct in midair. Like you don't want to go out on submission with like two books at the at a given time because what if you learn something from querying one book and yeah. you've already made that same mistake in the book you've already queried? Like that's a bummer, right? right, right. Um, and also, you know, like if if you have a bunch of stuff, we want you to just like focus on one thing and sell me this one thing um, rather than, you know, and, and if an agent is really interested before they have the call, they'll probably ask about other projects that you have, or they'll talk yeah. about them with you on the yeah. call. Um, and that's just, that's a thing, but we want to like focus on one thing, make sure that we love it. And then we kind of raise our heads a little bit and look. Um, and so for me, I think, I think, the anxiety about like, am I querying too much? I think that for this author, the answer is no, right? Like it seems like they're doing their due diligence. They've, they've really, really put in the work on their, their books and they've, they've had a situation that has prepared them to have more books ready to go um, before, you know, like, like before they started a query. Yeah. Um, so to me, like the big thing is you really want to, when you're querying a book, you really want to give it a year simply because people like <clears throat> me, um, are in really like <laughs> high volume query genres, yeah. right? Like I get probably like three to four times more queries than you do, Eric. Um, and that's, yeah. you know, and that's my choice and that's a thing. Um, but it just means that it takes a long time. Right. And so you really want to give it like a year because that allows you to kind of follow up. It gives people time to read. It gives you time to time to correct and do multiple, um, multiple submission rounds, that sort of thing. Um, but it seemed mm -hmm. like that's what this person was doing. And so yeah. um, what I kind of instead want to turn our attention to is kind of the reasons why, this author have hasn't been having a lot of success, even though they've done a lot of work, they've gotten an agent before they're, you know, they're like a professional writer in a lot of different respects. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, and this is kind of a, a lesson for all of you where you should really pay attention to when you get rejections in your query process. So I just talked about um, adjusting things in your query Um when you get rejections tells you a lot of things. So if you get a lot of partial requests or full requests from your query, you know that your query is good. If you are querying and you just can't get a request to save your life, there's something wrong with your query. If you get oftentimes past the um, partial stage and people request a full and then they come back saying no, there's something probably wrong with like the pacing or the conclusion or that the book um, doesn't really kind of stay together, whether it's in its tone, whether it's in its kind of um, pacing or or maybe it just takes off in a different direction that we weren't like quite as sold with. Like maybe the beginning doesn't really mirror kind of the what the rest of the book's experience is going to be like. Um and so my, I, I, I mean, like, I can't tell this author, like, what's, what's wrong with their submission process, but it's one of those things, right? right. Um, and I would say, like, am I querying too much? 
on paper querying, you know, a book a year? No. But if you are kind of as far into your career as this author is and you've done three books without any bites or even kind of any like major success, like a personalized you know, somebody read to the end and it just wasn't quite right, but they gave you a personalized response to it or something like that. Um, there's probably something wrong with your submissions. And I would really like take some time and work on those and make sure that they're really, really great. Mm -hmm. What do you well, think? Well, so Eric? I think, no, I mean, I agree with all of that. All of that is very good substantive advice on what to do with, uh, you know, the work. My thing though, is I want to address the specific bit in here about like the is this all a red flag with regard to like if I'm like the if I'm the agent and I'm hearing people or I'm hearing from someone who's in this situation like do I raise an eyebrow at this much querying do I think it's weird does this author have to justify that you know they've done the work at a level of thoroughness that they might not otherwise have to and to me the answer is a very strong no like. I like obviously everything you just described in terms of advice and work to do is it's all good to do, but all of that is on the writer end. Mm -hmm. Like everything in terms of like the email I'm getting as a query, like there's nothing in here to me that says red flag. Honestly, like it's I'm seeing, okay, I'm in all like I'm there's nothing about this situation that would make me do anything other than decide if I like the query and then decide if I like the manuscript. Like I'm not like, I think that there is somewhat of a, you know, given how, like, popular and ubiquitous, like, querying advice is in the world right now, like, I do sort of think that there people can sort, and this is not a writer problem, this is an agent problem, because we all talk about this stuff way too much, but, like, it's, like, people tend to overthink things, and they tend to, make you know, add in layers of, um, logic or rationale or they try to read into posts or th comments or articles or things like that you know with regard to how best to query or what certain etiquette says or like how certain things come off and what I would just say here is like I don't think that you have to justify all this in the query no I think that you are someone who has done the work maybe as you have pointed out Laura there may be some other work to do but that is on that's on you the writer's end to decide like that's not necessarily something that you have to like justify having done in the query letter, right? Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong here. Like I, I guess I'm just pushing against the idea, like and maybe I'm wrong and maybe the person who submitted this will hear this and will find what I'm saying irrelevant, which is great and fine. But it seems to me that there is a certain undercurrent here of like insecurity about coming off a certain way in, or having their career narrative, you know, come off, as you know one thing that they really don't want it to and they're worried it's hurting their chances and i don't think that that's the case yeah there's nothing that, there's nothing wrong with no presenting as somebody who is dogged in their ambitions for their yeah. career yeah there's no not. I, I truly like <laughs> there's not like i don't think that there's like sometimes i worry that writers think that they are like i don't know what even like I don't even know what the word is. Like, I want to go with, like, tainted or spoiled or something because maybe they've queried a different book and it didn't work or something. Or maybe they had an agent and that agent left and now they're... Like, that is not how people think about this stuff. Really, it's not. Like, 
it's I th- like and this you know to be on theme with the episode just like like set that down you know what I mean like you don't have to worry like I think all the things you described in terms of editorial considerations towards one's own work all of that is very valid and you should be thinking about that but this particular worrying about optics that I'm sensing here I think you can set that concern down yeah I think I think there and and maybe I think agents have created this particular anxiety um because like typically we love seeing somebody who's like I've been writing for forever and it's taken me this many you know this many books to like get you know get to this point where you want to talk with me and that's great like I learned my craft and that's awesome um but I think uh agents have kind of messed with that a little bit by complaining about people who will just like requery the same book over and over and over and over and over again or like we'll query 10 things at the same time even when there's a request out and it's just like these are different things <laughs> like respecting the process and just taking a bunch of shots is not the same thing as like spamming somebody or right. bothering somebody right. Those yeah, are exactly. two different like, things. This person is worried they're spam they are coming off as a spammer and they really aren't at least yeah. Yeah. Like do not apologize for your ambitions in being a writer. Like we want to work with ambitious people and it's like it's like this is kind of the same thing as when people, you know, you meet people at conferences or they have on their Twitter bio it's like aspiring writer. It's like, "Well, are you do you write?" Yeah. Okay, great. You're a writer. Now like fucking own it and like let's do some business right um anyway (laughs) yeah no i think that's a good place to leave it yeah i think that's a good place to leave it and just as a reminder that if you are in a position where due to your circumstances or your mental health or anything if you are not in fact feeling productive like you are getting shit done and not capable of doing some business right now that's also fine um i've asked for extensions from pretty much all of my authors under contract at this point and that's okay because publishers are asking for them too um so with that uh thank you for joining us on this uh very socially distanced um (laughs) twin cities episode of print run uh remember to tune into our special episodes and we will see you next time for a regular episode all right bye Thank you.